My next guest is the talented Emma Windsor. Emma's worked in marketing for the better half of a decade and became the head of international marketing at Grenade. We had a great chat about her marketing journey and the advice she has for those following in similar footsteps. This episode is a fun one and not to be missed. Hope you enjoy. very good thank you thank you for taking your Wednesday evening it's time I'm sure you're very busy to do this podcast no I'm excited to be a guest for once this is I don't know what's coming my way I feel very unprepared <laughs> no, yeah I mean I was going to say people don't know you obviously have your own podcast and we'll get more into it I suppose later but I guess you're you're probably more pro than me <laughs> a lot <laughs> no, more insights <laughs> not at all. I'm a novice I'm learning as I go for sure but yeah it's fun to be on the other side to experience what my guests feel like no we'll, we'll dive straight in what let's tell us a bit a little bit about yourself maybe your background the last 10 years or so of your career so I started, I was a tennis scholarship kid, went over to the States, did my business degree out there playing tennis. So I lived in America for four years. I loved it. It was awesome. That's where I got like my passion for marketing and I love to talk. <laughs> it seemed to go really nice hand in hand. So that's sort of what I majored in over there. I then came back to England for two weeks, decided it was far too cold to live in the UK. So I quickly got on a plane and went to Australia for a year. I worked out there with the Australian Olympic Committee doing the Sochi Games. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was like the intern, like arranging athletes' rooms and their schedules, thinking like, I didn't, like cars, like you name it, I organized it. And I had no clue what I was doing. It was so fun. Then my parents were like, you've got to come back to England. Like, what are you going to do with your life? You can't just chill in Australia. Even though I was very happy chilling in Australia. So I did my master's in the UK at Manchester Met where I decided that I was going to slightly steer away from marketing, but do it in PR. So I did my master's in PR. I didn't love it. I found it quite slow, quite boring, but there was an element of it that was digital marketing. And I decided that was my sort of area. So I got a job after that with the NFL, NHL and the NBA, doing their marketing, doing some social media, doing some website stuff, a lot of e-com, which was really exciting. But I found that there was a lot of restrictions in their marketing just because it's very corporate, obviously, like they're huge brands, which is such an honor to work Mm -hmm. with. But then you need to get that balance of, yeah, they're an honor to work with, but you can't be creative in the marketing way that you want to be creative and you can't do like sassy things or outrageous things. So I then thought I've learned loads here. Thank you very much. But I'd like to put my stamp on something. I then got interviewed for a job at Edgebaston Stadium, which is cricket. And in the interview, they're like, how much do you know about cricket? And I was like, I couldn't even tell you the three formats of cricket. I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) So honesty is the best policy. I got hired because they were trying to get new audiences into cricket that didn't know anything about cricket. So I was that demographic. And I remember like sitting with our big sponsors and I had to like whisper to like my 
my colleague, can you just tell me the rules of T20 again? Like, oh, is that like in these big boardrooms? <laughs> so that was fun. I was marketing manager there for a while. Did some really cool events, actually, which was really fun. Learned a lot about event marketing, about getting new audiences where they wouldn't necessarily go. A lot of more like emotive marketing and learned so much. Then I went over to Grenade. So that is obviously quite a big challenger brand. They do things differently. I can't like tell you the scope of work that I did there. I was in the UK team for a year where like each week I'd have to figure out something crazy that we'd have to work out. Like I had to figure out how to get a tank to the top of Snowdon. (laughs) I saw that. I saw like it's on LinkedIn about it's crazy. Like we did the craziest things, honestly. Really, really fun. And then I moved into the international team and worked on marketing global expansion. And then I am very new into the B2B world of marketing. So I've just joined a company called Elixir, who are management consultancy firm. And that is, in a nutshell, my story. It's a very big tenure. <laughs> that's a lot. There's a lot, that's some good. I didn't even know. Was it NFL, did you say, mm-hmm. sports? That's really interesting. That must have been quite a big change to come from America, like from the States. You say you studied in the States for a bit, and then Australia to then come back, work in the UK. That's quite a big, because like, obviously the culture, I mean, I've not been to those places, but I'm assuming the cultures and the work so much different compared to over here yeah and especially in marketing it's things like phrases that Mm. we say in the UK like we say like for example get stuck in in America that means nothing they're like what are you talking about (laughs) that's not a sentence so you've got to think about the cultural differences but you've also got to think of this like really small things like spelling what they call things like on Twitter I got in trouble I remember getting in trouble because I called (laughs) I like basically asked somebody if they were complaining about something and I asked if they checked their mailbox and I had my American mm-hmm. brain on thinking like, have they gone outside and checked their mailbox? And it was, it, it was an English yeah. person and they were like, it's oh, my no. le- it's my door. Like how ignorant are you? And I remember being like, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> so. It's so, it must be so hard. The changes I can't even imagine. Yeah. It must be, yeah. It must be, I guess it's a good experience though. I think like working internationally as well, just in terms of like work capacity, it must be so interesting you get so many sides of it as well um so I can only appreciate that must be quite a good experience yeah for sure and then at Grenade you know we were in loads of different countries having to be like this is our brand strategy but Mm -hmm. being a good enough marketer and gracious enough to say Mm -hmm. but what about your country like how is this going to resonate what channels are going to work you really need to even if you have the strongest brand in the world, you need to remember that you're not those market experts and you need to find people in the countries to listen to and be like, I need your help on this. What do you think of it? And not bulldoze in with a UK frame of mind and be like, this is going to work because it might not work. (laughs) (laughs) No, 100%. I was going to say as well, it's interesting you mentioned about the whole, you did obviously did PR at Manchester. Then you said it weren't like 100% on the course, but there's that one part of like digital marketing that you enjoyed which is almost it's weird because I went to Bradford University to do I think it was financial planning and don't ask me why I went to do it I think I wanted to be like a rich banker and I thought that was the way to do it but it was a foundation degree so obviously it was going to take like 10 years to get there and I think I absolutely hated the whole year and no offense like the uni or the people or anything like that but it just wasn't for me I'm not a maths person so I don't know why I did that but 
there was like one marketing, like I think it was like one marketing module, and it was the only. I think it was the only module I got first on, and I think I'm getting to the end of the year, I having to reset all these exams. I was remember thinking, I love marketing; it's great. I'm good at it. Applied to Leeds Beckett, and I got like an offer the next week, and I just left Bradford, and then the rest is kind of history. No but it's kind of funny. I have to almost go in those bad situations or like difficult situations to get to the next place. I always find that quite funny, and it was a nine grand mistake, but. You know, it's, 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 you still, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not bitter or anything. Uh, I do think about it a lot, to be honest, but I'm not student loan, but and that's too bad train four days a week, but it's, it's fine. It was a good experience. Um, you mentioned Grenade. How did you like start up in that role? Was that just someone came to you and offered, like offered you like we've got this position or was that a company you were looking at already when they offered you? So... I am from the Midlands, which is obviously where Grenade are founded. And summer before I got the job, I was saying, I really want to work for a real challenging brand. And I said, the only two brands I want to move to are Grenade or Gymshark, because they're both really, really close to where I live. Yes. So I applied for every single job that you can imagine, like exec level, manager level, for both companies. (laughs) I didn't even get an email back. Like I literally got pie central. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like but I'm but I know I can help like and I was so frustrated so that was in the July of the year yeah literally didn't hear back and I was like cool that was great so I like connected with them on LinkedIn like was you know trying to get my way in didn't hear anything and then in the winter actually it was the November I'd given up by this point and I was like Ugh, fine <laughs> whatever and um I actually got headhunted for Grenade they, they just knew people that worked at Edgebaston and they recommended me for my marketing, which was really, really, really nice. Oh, wow. So I went for a meeting with them and they were like, have you ever done this before? Have you ever worked in FMCG? Because that's what FM, like, that's what it is. And again, just like my Edgebaston one, I was like, I'd have no experience in FMCG marketing. Like I couldn't even tell you what FMCG marketing <laughs> is. I'm not going to lie. And they were like, great, you're hired. So again, it was really, really good to be honest and be like, look, I don't know anything about FMCG, but I can bring you content. I can bring you digital. I can bring you proper strategies and proper planning. And that's yeah. what they were looking for. So I'm so pleased that I got a way in because, yeah, the cold the cold way, they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's always that saying as well, like almost just, say yes and figure it out later and I've, you know a lot of people say i think i saw the quote and then someone i think i saw a quote on linkedin from like forbes and then i have a friend to quote it to me all the time and i was like you've just got that from forbes and i but it's so true it's so true and i was like figure out say yes now because if you say no the opportunity you know passes you by and then in a year's time you might actually be ready to do the job or yeah for example a job and you might have looked back and thought oh i wish i'd just said yes and you know because you can always learn you can always learn from different experiences and stuff and I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I learned was, like, always say yes, always be really passionate and show what you can, but also be really honest and be like, look, I that's not yeah. my area, but I know X, Y, and Z, I can bring this, like, I will learn that. And a lot of these companies that I've worked with and that I've experienced and researched and looked at, they don't want normal. They don't want, oh, yeah, well, I've done this, I've done that. Like, you need to bring what you bring that's different that is the reason why they're hiring you over somebody else. And the culture as well. I think culture fits so, so important. I didn't really even, I think up until about four years ago, I think when I left university in 
I think I remember going to jobs and thinking, oh yeah, I like this place. I like this place on the outside, so I want to work there. But then I think people forget about you have to spend nine to five even longer with these people. You have to be in the office. And I think people forget about that culture aspect and how it is so important to your life because you're spending, I think it was my first podcast where we said about how you spend more time at work sometimes with your wife and kids. And it's like, well, you want to make it a nice place to work. So I think culture is so important. And I'm, I, I look to think Grenade's culture is amazing. Yeah, culture is everything. Um, sort of the motto is like roll your, roll your sleeves up and get stuck in is basically what you do and just figure it out. Like, yeah, I mean, there were so many firsts at Grenade. Like, I was in a meeting with Costa, and we had to. We were launching in Costa, and and um, the managing director was there, and he was like, "They were like, oh, we wanna, we're doing this thing on the three, uh, we're doing the three peaks challenge with our employees. It would be great if the tanks at the finish line at Snowden." My MD sat next to me, and he's like. Emma can sort that, no problem. And I'm thinking, I- I've got to get a tank up Snowden in the middle of June. Like, and I'll sit there, like, yeah, it's fine. So the next two weeks, I went away, like, how am I going to do that? Oh my gosh! <laughs> a real tank, an actual, like a full-on, yeah, carbon car. We're talking full-on yeah. army tank. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had to get a low loader to to take it up the hills of Wales, and I can't tell you the stress. <laughs> That, that must have taken a while, surely. That must have yeah. taken quite a good time. That's amazing. Yeah. That's the thing. Like Stuff like that is just why like some places are so good, such great places to work for stuff like that. Yeah. It comes out with amazing stories at the end of it. I was going to say, moving on, like we spoke earlier, about your own podcast, The Market Nuggets. Maybe just yes. like tell us about that and the inspiration behind it. Quite interesting. Yeah, so in 2020, of course, COVID happened and yes. everybody sort of slowed down, took a step back. And I started going on like lunchtime walks, lunchtime runs, which is really nice because I've never experienced that before working always in an office. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to a lot of podcasts, a lot of American podcasts, a lot of marketing American podcasts. So Jenna Kutcher, Amy Porterfield, mm-hmm. these really inspiring women and they were American and they just like really showed me different ways to produce content that you were passionate about. And I absolutely hate writing. Like I thought (laughs) once like, oh, I could do a blog. And I tried for like two days and I was like, this is not the one. Like this is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not like really into like social as in like, I'm not going to be like an influencer. I'm not going to post my life every day. It's too much. So I really thought it was sort of that. And then at Grenade and a few other places, I've been really lucky enough to be a line manager. And I felt so much like value and and worth sharing like what I've learned in my marketing to help my team who were, were younger than me, were more inexperienced. And I really wanted them to be amazing and just like be rock stars. So I figured like, they have me, which is hopefully they think that's nice. And now I've got such lovely feedback. And then I was thinking so many times during my eight, 10 years in marketing, I've not had a mentor in marketing that I've been able to learn from. And, and I've had to like do a lot of self-study. And I thought if I could just make a podcast, put it out there and help young marketers not make the mistakes I've made or do a bit more of like behind the scenes of what it's actually like to be a marketing manager, to do these things, because I feel like a lot of times at university, they say, oh, these are the job roles. 
But what are what does that actually mean? Like that's just a title. It doesn't really get into the nitty gritty yeah. of what marketing is. So I thought I'm I can talk. I it doesn't take very much to set up a podcast. Like I learned, like I did some research on the mic to get what like the basics basically, yeah. and thought, well, it's only a hundred quid mic if if it doesn't work. <laughs> so um and it is you know it's a it is for me it was a brave thing to do like I was really nervous I remember like writing my first LinkedIn post I don't know if you felt like this writing my first LinkedIn post to say I'm launching a podcast and to be like what is people gonna say is anyone gonna like it like did you find that when you did your first first post yeah so I I look I think it's I've only been doing it like I mean the idea came to me like last November to do it and then obviously with COVID and I wanted it to be I wanted to do it in mm-hmm. person, so I think my and it kept getting pushed. So I was like, "Oh, I've got another three months. I have to do it. I got another three. And then it got to like, I think it was like the end of June, or I think it was May, and obviously COVID. It was like the rules and restrictions had come to an end. And I was like, "Oh no, I'm gonna have to actually start doing it." And then obviously, <laughs> like panic attack comes, start saying, "I had a friend uh, just got back from a holiday. I'm a friend on holidays, my best mate." And then someone made a joke about, because they like now call me the podcaster, Sim the podcaster. So my nickname has <laughs> been changed in the group chat. And my friend was like, you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah. He's like, How's that? do you not know this? He's like, no. And I was like, oh, it's probably because I just don't talk about it. But I think yeah. obviously my LinkedIn friends are different to my actual friends because a lot of my like close yeah. friends just don't use LinkedIn. So then when I'm posting all this stuff, they have no idea. So it's like two different lives. Yeah. But I remember being the first post to put out and I think I had people message me. And just say like, oh, that's amazing! Like, well done. That sounds like really interesting. Uh, but the feedback's been yeah. crazy. Like, it's gone to say how short amount of time I've done it. It's so good and so much better than I thought it would be because I was obviously very nervous to get yourself out there and you know just put some content out because I'm not really that kind of person. So yeah, mm-hmm. obviously I can completely relate to yours. Um, I've listened to a couple of your episodes as well, and they're really, really good. They sound so much better than mine. Your like sound quality is amazing compared to mine. <laughs> like I had, like I said this earlier, like I had airplanes going off, I had someone's WhatsApp going off. I think someone knocked at the door on like ten minutes into my first podcast, and I'm there sweating from my t-shirt. Like, oh no, the followers are gonna hate it. But yeah, no, it is. It is a good. It's an amazing thing to do, and it's super interesting. I think it's just more work than I thought it would be. Yes. Uh, like you said the mics and editing and all that stuff but it's super fun and yeah I'm, like you said you enjoy it just as probably just as much as me as well or probably more <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I don't do actually I like write the title of what my episode's going to be about and then I think I'm going to do loads of prep for this I'm going to like one evening I'm going to spend two hours prep for it and then I'm like oh, I can't be bothered I'll just hit record so I'm literally like recording a podcast not knowing what I'm going to say and I'm just like this is so like Emma be prepared like one of my podcasts is about being prepared and I'm not even like practicing what I preach but then like sometimes I'll be like okay like I've recorded it and then I'll be like I don't want to listen back and edit it because I just don't even know what it's going to sound like yeah, I, I hate the sound of my own voice. I'm exactly the same. It is, but I like the whole off the cuff a little yeah. bit where you can just talk. And I think, I think I like the whole you have like questions but not have a script because I think when you have a script, it's not as natural sometimes. But I think sometimes just talking how you feel or what you want yeah. to say is the best way of doing it. And it's probably more genuine, genuine and honest. And like you said before, like being honest is so important. And I think people can like resonate yeah. with it as well. I was going to say, moving on to, you mentioned university. Obviously, this podcast is essentially like aimed at people, you know, finishing university, going to the first career, people listen to it. You mentioned, obviously, you did PR. Would you believe, like, this going to university impacts 
your future career choices as in like do you think going to university and studying marketing that meant that meant then means you're then going on to do marketing in your job or what, what what's your thought process on it so I think it's I think it's it's catch-22 really because yeah. I'm thinking like so when I hire people I obviously look and see if they've done a bachelor's yeah. and I see if they've done a bachelor's in marketing and I see that for a particular reason not because I want them to have gone to university necessarily it's because I want them to have a passion in marketing and I want them to be I don't want to have somebody in my team say that just sees marketing as a stepping stone to the job that they actually want to do and it will reflect their work they're not passionate about it so I don't think it's necessarily you must have a university degree however I want to see what they've done in lieu of that if they've not done it so have they been doing online courses have they done a certificate have they done something that shows look have they done an internship all of those things together I don't think that they're necessarily better or worse than the other one and especially because I think that online courses have come so far now like I've taken some online courses to help in specific like I took a Pinterest course because it was really interesting to me and I was doing e-com so I was like I've got to learn about Pinterest in the states it's huge in America so I definitely think that there's more tools now than when 10 years ago if I wanted to learn marketing I had to go to university that was it there's definitely more tools out there now that people can use and I'm such an advocate for I don't care what you have and I know that university is really really expensive whereas online courses probably are a bit more accessible to everybody but I'm looking for people like whenever I've looked at hiring anybody I look at their passion I look at what they're interested in and and I always ask them like where do you want to go like what is your dream in five to ten years because that says a lot about them and then I know that you know you're a good you're a good egg (laughs) you want to come and learn and 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 I can help (laughs) (laughs) no no it's interesting I think you've touched upon a good point about the internship because I think I especially thought this when I finished college and I didn't know what I wanted to do I mm-hmm. mean you knew, noticed because I went to do financial planning uh, like this is crazy because obviously you kind of lost a little bit because you see your friends doing something you see your friends going to jobs or internships or apprenticeships do you think like apprenticeships internships are sometimes almost as better than going to university just to save some money or if you if you're able to do you think that's kind of a a good thing to do like a route to take yeah for sure yeah because I think that you need something along with it so you need the theory of it as well but that doesn't necessarily have to be a university course what I found with my universities both courses is that they were really really drawn out and I obviously I had the American experience and the UK experience and I'm not (laughs) I had a great I had a great time don't get me wrong I had a great time if I wanted to get quicker in my career I don't know if that's the way to do it because it's I felt like I could learn more in a week than they were giving me like I wanted more stuff and there was a lot of the theory stuff and it's funny now because when I see graduates they'll like come and like present something to me and 90% of what they're presenting to me is the theory or this person's theory and the strategy and the analysis not the strategy the analysis and all of the stuff and they're like look at this model and 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 my team actually my old team used to joke with me because when I learned marketing it was the four p's of marketing and they're like Emma it's seven p's now and I was like I'm so old There's seven. There's seven. Yeah, there's seven. Yeah. There's a lot of p's. <laughs> I remember that. we got flashbacks from university there. <laughs> But but what I think the interns show is that you're a go-getter, you want to, you know, you've done that off your own back, you don't have to do it. It's definitely the less lazy approach, I feel like. 
And it's like, I used to do internships in my summers. I did one every summer without a doubt, even if it's just for a month, whatever it is. And actually what my internship that I did one summer is how I got the job in Australia because it was a contact through that. So I never would have got my foot in the door working opposite the opera house. Like it was amazing because I did one poxy internship in the UK that actually was incredible. I got so many opportunities. And I remember at the time being like, I don't want to go. It's my summer. Like (laughs) so annoyed. My friends were going out and having fun, but actually it paid dividends in my like stepladder of career. Yeah, it's kind of like, I think I said it with uh, Lewis, my last one, about the whole ROI yeah. on like your own career investment. Like it might, you might not see the benefit now, but you'll have the benefit in five years almost. And I love that. And I think that's come back to just being patient and just like, you know, just knowing and trusting the process a little bit. Yeah. Do you think, speaking of like people at university, do you think millennials have it easier or harder than say 10 years ago? Do you think like people leaving university now have it harder than say someone leaving in university in 2010 or something like that? I think that people leaving university now and people that are in like Mm. in marketing roles or in roles just in general have a lot more power Mm. in terms of two things. They have more power in terms of what they can learn. There's so much more accessible online learning, whether it's a podcast, whether it's an audio book, whether it's a course, whether it's a like a mini masters, whatever it is online, those things didn't exist. And like, or to the quality that they are now and to the, and to the price point where it's, $50 a course like it's not loads of money it's 10 like there's so much more there that I think that we have an advantage over but I think that the other advantage that we have now is the power of negotiating not working in an office full-time yes I think that COVID the absolute blessing that came out of working from home last year was I've always been an advocate for working from home a couple of days a week and I used to every job I've actually had I've always battled with my manager to be like look I'm doing a lot of planning stuff I need to get my head down and crack on I can't do that in an office you need to let me go home for two days and they'd be like no you're not doing that and now I feel like millennials and Gen yeah. Zs can be like, listen up. This is what I can do my output. I'm staying yeah. at home. <laughs> <laughs> or you can go and travel the world yeah. and still be able to do marketing jobs and, and platforms like Upwork yeah. and, and Fiverr. You can be a freelancer on them and you don't you're not constrained to that nine to five Monday to Friday work office, which doesn't lend itself well to marketing, I don't think personally. No, no, hundred percent not. I think sometimes you need that. Like you said, two days at home, it's good for the soul. Like you need that extra sleep. You need to be able to not have a stressful commute and to be walking in the rain back to your car. And it's just all those little <laughs> things, they add up, they add up to your stress. And I think if you can be more at peace in your job, you're just going to be a better worker in general and you're going to be happier and want to stay somewhere longer. And again, that comes back to like culture as well and stuff like that. So it's super, it is super interesting. I think, yeah, a lot of people, I have a lot of friends who, were working in the office and they love the office and as soon as the office is open they were straight back there and I think I've just always been like you said I always used to work at home I used to study at home I didn't even go to the university library because I didn't like other people really? I used to just, yeah, I used to sit at my dining room table and work on my headphones in like 10 hours a day and <laughs> I didn't revise them for people because I was just like oh no it's fine I'll do it myself um, oh, but I, I, I opened up in family a little bit and I did we had like a little revision sessions and it was, they were actually super helpful but I think that was just me being thinking, oh no, I need to do it by myself and be in my own space. But I think best of both, best of both is perfect. Yeah. Do you think that 
a storm of that university, but do you think university and success are equally correlated? Do you think they come hand in hand almost? Uh, I don't think so. I think yeah. back to like, if I, if I look at where I am and how many times I've been interviewed and I don't think I've ever been asked about my university degree ever in any interview yeah. I've ever had. So whilst it's nice on my CV, I don't think that I've got to where I've got to because of my university degree. What it did teach me was because basically I was in America, I was doing a degree and I was on a tennis scholarship and long story short, but I didn't get eligibility for four years. So I had to basically either pay eight grand a semester, which I didn't have eight grand a semester and you can't get a loan because you're a UK student. So basically, I had to cram in a four-year degree in three years, and I had to be a full-time student athlete. So what university taught me, which is a bit different, is work ethic and how to work da- like really hard for something because that's what I mm-hmm. want to achieve. So I think it does teach you that. I think that you need to, if you're going to go to university, you need to be really sure that it's like the what you want to do yeah. and what you're interested in I have so many friends that went to UK universities and did like like art or something that's just not that's a really bad example sorry <laughs> about people but just you know you're spending a lot of money on it is it gonna help get your yeah. is it gonna help where you want to get to in five years if it doesn't take a year out or do something else do an internship, yeah. do an apprenticeship, something that isn't going to cost an arm and a leg until you're really sure if that's what you want to do. And mm-hmm. I know that's quite a, like a strong opinion on it. So I'm sure there's people going, you're wrong, but that's just my experience with it. No, no, I agree. Do I agree. <laughs> I agree. I have a lot of friends who do. I'm, I don't want to name the courses because I don't know who's done the courses. I want to say like geography and history, but I know for a fact a lot of my best friends have done geography and history. And I'm sorry, guys. Uh, now they're recruiters, and like that's absolutely fine. But they, I think they went, and I think they got the like the life skills and the life lessons, but they might not have essentially done. They might not have essentially done history. They don't do history and geography now, but they'll have learned and learn a lot over those three or four years, and they would have built those you know those life lessons those um relationship building and again that's like stuff you can't really do unless you go to university it's kind of like one of those experiences um my biggest regret is i went to university but i stayed at i lived at home so i never went into halls or anything like that so then i see my friends who are like oh i love the university days i'm like i went home and had my mom and dad in my ear and then i and i was at home so i didn't have that university experience like everyone else so that for me that's like my biggest regret and i'm like oh i kind of wish i just spent a bit more money you know gone and yeah gone and lived in halls and had that experience but I just can't stand messy people and I've been to some people's halls and university university students kitchens are the worst thing I've ever seen they are awful um and I've been to a lot and they're all the same (laughs) the floors are always sticky the floors are always sticky there's nothing's ever washed you can't find a cup anywhere um so yeah it's 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 a vicious cycle it's a vicious cycle uh but that does lead on to my next question as well about do you think that like relationship building is paramount in business just having good relationships with people absolutely it's something that you're that I use in every day so whether it's that we need a new sponsor and I've got to go and talk to somebody about whatever work we're doing or if it's that you need an extension on your deadline because your creative team haven't done it and you've not given them the assets you need to talk very very nicely to somebody or 
or even from a internal perspective to a lot of what I did and I don't know if this is true for a lot of marketers but we're always like pitching to the people above like we want to do this like this is the idea so you need to build those relationships and they need to trust you with whatever the budget is because you can be given some pretty big budgets and being given the trust that what you're saying is going to get what they want at the end of the day so I mean I've had experience pitching to a lot of boards before which is really if I didn't build those relationships and I didn't go in there being much more of a people person then it would be really difficult don't get me wrong there are days when I'm like I don't want to be a people person I just want to do my work I don't want to speak to anybody (laughs) and everybody has those off days but it's definitely building those relationships something that I've struggled with with terms of relationships is negotiation (laughs) and uh, a lot of like so if we're negotiating a contract or if we've got a new influencer and we need to we want to get them on board I am the worst negotiator ever because I'm such a pushover I'll be like yeah that's fine you can have double the money absolutely fine (laughs) so (laughs) I'd be the same probably (laughs) it's definitely something that I want and I'm really conscious that that's a weakness of mine so I'm really trying to learn like one girl in my team was really good at it. So if I had any negotiations, I'd send her in. So I think that that whilst relationships are really, really important, you need to know your strengths and your weaknesses. And help if you've got a team around you or anybody around you that's better at things, learn from them, send them into the hard meetings when you need to, but also learn how to do it yourself. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it is just, I think just being good with the people is so important because I think, a lot of the time, people who are either extroverts or introverts. I mean, there's that there's that debate, isn't it? That introverts are really really smart, and they don't they're not good at people. And extroverts are really really happy, but they're not as smart. And I think almost they both lend themselves well to some kind of skill because I think I have friends who are super introverted, and but yeah, they're the most they're the most smartest people I know. But then you put them in a room with other people who are similar to them, and they'll talk for days. So I think sometimes just and I think that's when it comes back again to culture and having the right people for the right company and having the right fit because everyone works well and collaborates well together. But I'm super interested. I think I would 100% agree with everything you said. (laughs) Obviously, obviously. Again, as well, I guess that comes back to maybe not relationship building, but an online relationship presence. So like LinkedIn and how important that is. And do you think that, Mm -hmm. is it like LinkedIn? Because I know we've said before, I have friends who don't have LinkedIn, but do you think it's an important aspect, especially if you're a marketer to, you know, post regularly or use on a daily basis? Yeah, so I think obviously LinkedIn's for two reasons. It's when we're doing marketing for our company and when we're doing marketing for ourselves. From a B2B perspective, it's the number one platform. Everybody's using it if you're marketing for a B2B company. So go on there, do your thought leadership, make sure that you're doing your ads, do all of that good stuff. As a person and as a marketer, I think it really depends on what your goal is in life. So I always think that, I don't do it all of the time. This is giving away all my secrets. (laughs) I don't give it away all of the time, but I think that it's really important to establish yourself in the area of expertise that you want to go into because you never know what's around the corner. You never know who's going to see it. You never know what contacts you're going to get from it. I definitely wouldn't have met people that I've met if I've not posted on LinkedIn. You don't need to be really obnoxious about Mm -hmm. it. You can be really gracious. But also I think it's like interesting to not only just self-promote on there but also like comment and people react to them be people's cheerleaders that are in the marketing world get involved because at the end of the day if your goal is to 
get somewhere in marketing, you have to to a certain amount put yourself out there. And it's scary. Don't get me wrong, it's scary. But you know, like we we like I'm your guest now because I reached out on LinkedIn. So that is like, you know, you need to, you don't know what's going to happen. So I definitely would encourage it. I think it just depends what your goal is, I guess. What what do you think? I'll be interested to hear what you think. I I think that it depends. It's hard because I think it depends on what you do as a job. So I have friends who, or people I know that they might not, it doesn't lend them lend themselves well to what they do. So like, especially, I think for marketing people in branding, sponsorship, sports anything like that and i think where you need to have linkedin to build those relationships to get your name out i think it's really really important but i think for people who maybe i have a friend who does like a, he's a PE teacher and he has linkedin i get him to go onto linkedin to like my post just to get or like share him and he's like he's, he's like he's like i don't even know what my password is and i was like that's so weird to me because i use it more than facebook more than i delete snapchat now actually but i use it more than facebook i use it just as much as instagram but that's because it's I've invested in it now, so I see the potential value in it. So I'm now using it on a daily basis. I think I use it like, uh, let's check actually, how long have we been on today? I think maybe like a, oh, okay, actually, that's not, actually, that's only 17, 27 minutes. That's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, Instagram's like two hours, but um, I mean, I have been working today as well, just FYI, but still like, you know, background scrolling. But yeah, no, I think it's super important, especially for like yourself, like me, who has a podcast. I think it's important because it's, it's kind of just, you want people to see what you're doing sometimes. And I think, especially if you want them to grow like a podcast or like a blog, I think it's the number one platform. And I think I've had people who maybe, you know, like, like you sell, like market directors have said, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good platform. It's like Facebook for business, essentially. So you're building professional relationships with people and you never know how a like or a comment or a post might affect someone else. So then you might get a job from that. And it's kind mm-hmm. of, again, like we said earlier, it's ROI on your own like investment and you're essentially getting that return later on and i've had you know i've applied for jobs for linkedin and i've got like, like conversations with people through linkedin and kept in contact with people i've worked with and it's it's just an amazing i think it's an amazing tool and yeah. i think it'll only get better hopefully more i think it's gonna be like a lot more video content on there i think someone said before it's gonna be like youtube and facebook merged into two but for business i mean i don't know how it's gonna work uh but it'd be interesting to see and i think it could be could be interesting yeah, they definitely need to step up their game a bit in terms of video content and like yeah. the back end of ads and stuff. It, it, it's definitely it's definitely not as progressive as Facebook and Instagram in terms of that. But yeah. I'm holding out hope that yeah. they're going to come through because now I'm a B2B marketer. I'm going to spend a lot of time in the in the ads. So I want them to to make it just as good. <laughs> no, 100%, 100%. I guess the main question of this podcast would be, how do you define success? Like what's your personal definition of it? If, if in a short summary, I know it's a hot, it's a super hard question and mine changes like every month. Such a good question. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one though. It is a hard one. Yeah, no, such a good question. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. I feel like I was prepared for every question, but not this one. So I think it's really hard because I'm one of those people that if you'd have told me by the time I'm 29, I would be head of marketing, which was my like dream. I would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm so successful. And then (laughs) I did it and then I didn't feel very successful at all. So I think that you need to have perspective on what it is. I think that my, that was what my what my thought of success was when I was 22 was to be head of marketing. 
what my now having been in the the industry for for eight years, well, eight-ish years, is actually what success looks like to me is a couple of things. It's one, having flexibility. I don't want to be tied to an office. As I've said, like that's not successful for me, even if I'm the biggest marketing director in the whole world, but I have to work nine to five, Monday to Friday in an office. That's not successful for me. Yeah. The other one is, and something that, that came out of, 2020 is that my success is actually helping other people find their success and I like there's nothing that makes me more proud than having somebody that was in my team they didn't know much about marketing they've come through they've blossomed they're kicking butt in strategy meetings so for me that's really successful and then the third one I guess is my ultimate goal for success is to be my own boss and to be in charge of my paycheck, but be able to have a really great paycheck <laughs> that means that I can can sort of not be not trade yeah. not trade time for money. So I want something that's maybe a course or something that's generating me income in the background where I can go and enjoy my dog or, or go on holiday or have that freedom. So my definition of success has, ha- has definitely changed. I'm definitely still striving for success. But I think that it's really important like, to tell yeah. myself and to tell other people, like, sometimes just take a step back and be like, how far you've actually come and, and be gracious with that. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, no, I was hoping you were going to turn it back on me. Uh, <laughs> I I should know this because it's like the most important questions I ask people. I um, I think, like you say, if, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I'd have said a Ferrari and a big house, <laughs> or a Range Rover, and then maybe, there's like this money in the bank. I think now, it's a few things. I'd say, financially secure, definitely financially secure. I'm, I'm not bored about having a fancy car, really. Like, I like cars, but I don't. I'm happy with Tesla. Like, I'll be happy. With, I know it's, that's still fancy, but it's not showy. I don't, I want to like a nice electric car, financially secure, and to just be happy, and like you said, just have time. So I think, if I don't want to work on a Wednesday, I don't have to work on a Wednesday. And I can just, you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. And I can spend two hours in M&S. Actually, no, Waitrose. Let's say if we're going to be fancy to the girl, I'm going to say Waitrose. Because uh, I go to like once a year. And I'm thinking, you know what? Spend two, two hours in Waitrose and just take, like, and just be like, really, just spend my time how I want to spend my time. Yeah. Um, but again, if you ask me this in six months' time, it'll probably change. And it won't be a Tesla anymore. It'll be another car. And, I want a big house. It, it, it depends on the mood. It depends on the mood. But I think try not, I'm trying not to get caught up in the whole, like, be, having, like, loads of... Obviously, it's nice to have loads of money, but I, I'm trying not to get sucked into the whole, like, consumerism thing where, like, I've got to have the newest iPhone, the fastest car, the biggest car. I don't really care about that kind of... I think I used to up until maybe, like, three, four years ago. I was not... It doesn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not what gets me out of bed in the morning, really. Um... I think those things are nice for a weekend. Yeah. And then you're, and it's like, you have need to have the next thing and it's like the next thing, the next thing. And then your car's never fast enough, your house isn't big enough. And I don't want to get trapped into that. So I think just living like a nice financially secure life where you can see your friends and your family and you know they're looked after as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes back to the point where you said you're, you want to see people be successful or be happy. And I think that's really important. Uh, yeah. to like giving back as well. So it's just a little things. I mean, that's probably a really big example. <laughs> but like, so a bad example because it's too many things. But I think, yeah, those just a little, loads of little things. But they all kind of add up to like being happy at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. I like the one where it's like the little things, like being in Waitrose for two hours on a Wednesday. Like, yeah, 
if you if I have a day off like in the middle of the week and I see people I'm like do you work like is this your week every day I do that all the time yeah this traffic at like two o'clock and I'm like I've got a day off what are you doing and the people at the pub and I'm like would you not, do you guys not work and I have my dad saying oh no they're all in, all employed I was like dad there's like we've got 10 cars deep at the roundabout and everyone here is not unemployed and I think it's just like that I, I don't know what they're doing I, I mean either everyone's teachers and it's a school holiday my mom's a teacher so she's got like six weeks off and she's like, oh yeah I'm on holiday and I'm like is everyone here a teacher or are they in education because that's the only explanation I can think of but yeah two hours in Waitrose that's the dream the dream we've established the dream <laughs> my friends are going to take the mick out of me yeah. I'm saying I'm hoping they don't listen to it really. a couple more questions but because you are coming to the end but I guess is there anything you would do differently in your say last 10 years is there anything in your career you would maybe have chosen to do differently or maybe a job you'd have taken if you could have I would have not put so much pressure on myself to get back from Australia. I mean, I loved it. I was there for a year. So I did, as I mentioned, I work for the Australia Olympic Committee. But what I haven't said was that that was six months and I didn't want to come home. So I found a job in a beachy cafe. I was a waitress. I was loving it. I loved it. I had the niggle in my back of my mind. Like, come on, Emma, what's your career? Like, this isn't your career. What are you going to do? And I wish I'd have just like lived in the moment a bit more and not put that pressure on myself to start my career because it could definitely wait (laughs) and not have that guilt in the back of my mind. Like, oh my gosh, you need to be doing something marketing. Like you need to be doing something. Well, at that point, I just thought business. So definitely that. I think that I... I don't necessarily regret any of the jobs that I've taken. I say that I worked so, so hard. And I wish it sometimes like, you know, you're you're a little marketing exec and you're working at seven o'clock on a Wednesday night. Like you don't need to be doing that. Like you need boundaries. <laughs> I, I definitely have learned throughout the years to get better boundaries, to not have my work emails on my phone all of the time. Yeah, it's handy during the day, but I don't need it on the weekend. I don't need it on holiday. So I'm really good at at taking them off my phone now yeah I just yeah I wish I'd learned boundaries basically because especially as an exec I feel like you can get taken advantage of really quickly and be like you need to be working really hard and whilst I do think it helped me get well whilst it helped me get quicker up the ladder I definitely didn't need to be like like I definitely had a couple times I was really burnt out like really burnt out I remember one time like my manager told me to go home because I was like this <laughs> no one can see but I'm pulling a face and and, and yeah so I think those two things I don't regret any jobs and and I think it's also it's also good to know when it's time to move on when you've learned everything that you've learned when you're doing the same marketing with your eyes closed when you are not being challenged I definitely encourage people when you get to that point and you're stagnant to look for your next challenge and to move on because you'll get fulfilled so much better than just doing the same day in day out no, no, I completely agree. They're all really good points. I think, yeah, the whole burnout thing is so true. And I think it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard, isn't it? I think there's kind of like this debate whether you should, you have to work really, really, really hard and burn yourself to death just to be successful when you just have to have boundaries sometimes. And sometimes you have, mm. to, you have to just tell yourself when to stop or just go to bed or just, <laughs> it, it can wait till tomorrow. A lot of the time, it can wait till tomorrow. Because I think obviously you would have had that sometimes where there's an emergency on a Friday night or a Friday afternoon and you have to stay late to get something done because obviously 
some is an emergency is cropped up, but they're like once in a blue moon. So I think it's just important mm. to have like boundaries and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Final question. It's one I'm going to ask all guests. So you're walking down the street. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, there's no dragons or anything. You're walking down the street and 10-year-old self runs up to you and he's super excited and he wants to know, he, he basically wants you to tell him one thing about his future and you can only say you can only essentially say one thing or one sentence what would it be okay i know, I actually know what it would be and it's nothing to do with marketing that's fine it could be anything you want <laughs> it would be to yeah. spend as much time with your grandparents as you possibly can check in with your family call your nan call your granddad like spend time with them don't take people for granted that's what i would say is like for sure the one thing because yeah, that, that's what I would say. That's so cheesy, but it's so true. No, it's completely fair. That's completely fair. I think I'd say some similar and like maybe less sweets when I was a yeah. kid because I, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was fat for like 10 years. Uh, so <laughs> I'd say, yeah, a couple of things, but that's, yeah, both, no, amazing. They're both amazing answer. And <laughs> I really, really appreciate you taking time to do this podcast. Um, it was great talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it, actually. I like being a guest. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> so good, it's all right. But no, amazing. No, no, cheers again. But yeah, I appreciate thank your time. You. Thank you so much. No worries. Bye. See you later.